Welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. Uh, this is David here along with Chris. Uh, apologize for uh, this podcast being a few days late, but uh, nonetheless, we're going to get it to you. Uh, Chris, um, maybe this podcast won't be three hours long. The last one was a bit of a marathon. Yeah, if this one's three hours long, we, uh, we got a problem. I don't think this one will be, though. We, we had a lot of material last week. I mean, we could have easily stretched that, that, that out to a two-parter of two, three hours. Right, so. and, I, and I do apologize to everyone that downloaded the uh, bad file. Uh, everything on my end was showing me that the full file had um, uploaded to SoundCloud, but apparently it didn't. So uh, if you timed out at an hour and 37 minutes, which is, I think, when it cut out, uh, you got about another hour and 23 minutes you can, can go listen to um, and catch the rest of it. But uh, we got a lot of good response from that uh, last podcast. want to thank uh, Kate and Brooks for coming on. Uh, as I said at the beginning of that podcast, he's just a, a wealth of information, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And, and um, it's just something that all three of us really enjoyed. Uh, wouldn't you agree, Chris? Yeah, and we got some more ideas, too, for Kate to get him on. Um he enjoyed it a lot more than he thought he would and so uh i know he's anxious to get back and and yeah i mean it was it was a fun one to do i mean it's it, that was uh that was nostalgia 101 right there i mean that's that's what we grew up on so it was a blast well chris uh it is thursday evening as we're recording this um sunday night i went to atlanta to see roger waters on his us and them tour and uh i gotta say it was a it was a great concert um of course, he always surrounds himself with great players, but uh, the set list was really good. But um, I was going to ask you about if, if, if you've ever seen anything like this. So the the, the first set was, uh, you know, just st- straight, um, you know, just them playing. And it just had a, one big screen behind them um, during the concert. Well, after the second set, this huge screen comes down perpendicular to the stage over the crowd on the floor. And it took up almost the entire length of the floor. And it was a movable screen, and um, immediately when it lowered, if rising from the bottom of it was the uh, power station that's on the cover of the Animals album with uh, a pig above it. And that signaled everybody that they were going to play a couple of songs from uh, um, the Animals record. But the entire second half, this screen is down over, you know, dividing the place in two, and it was huge, and it had all all this audio. I mean, all this all these visual components to it. That uh, my buddy that was with me, we looked at each other at the end of the show, and we're like, we haven't even watched the concert. Uh, just curious if you've ever been to a show before where um, you, literally you wound up watching the uh, the visuals instead of the band. I mean, I, I'm not like that. Certainly not to that extent. I've never seen anything like that. But yeah, I mean, there's some of the bigger shows where. If they've got entertaining stuff behind it, you do find yourself watching it. But, but what you're talking about, what he did, and it's as much as I typically hate big shows because I like the, you know, I, I like the more intimate, smaller shows. That is one of the beauties of it, is when they they put money into it, you know, and they do something really cool. Right, much like Guns N' Roses has done on this tour. I mean, they they spared no expense with uh, what all they were doing. Well, Chris, before we get to the topic at hand, uh, any uh, albums or any music news or anything you would like to discuss with everyone? Yeah, I got a couple of them. You know, one of them was, uh, you know, I keep I keep talking about the band Asteroid, and um, I'll continue to do so because they deserve to be heard. Um, so if you haven't if you haven't paid attention to me, you know, singing their praises yet, check them out. Anyway, I saw them in Memphis a couple weeks ago, and uh, they were opening for a band, and 
one of the guitarists just you know kind of struck up a conversation with me because he liked the shirt I had and found out he's a huge punk fan like I am and we just started got into one of the better I told you one of the better music conversations I've had in a long time you know we're talking about you know Brian Fallon you know, Dave Hawes all these different people and he mentioned he asked me if I was into the men singers and I knew the name I'd heard them and I believe they've even toured with the Gaslight Anthem and I told him I'd never really gotten into him, and he's like, man, he's like, they're the new Gaslight. And so I did buy their latest one. It's called After the Party, and it is really, really good. They've put out several records. I mean, this band's been around for a while, and they're uh, where the Gaslight Anthem kind of has the, the kind of the punkish sound. I always say The Clash with um, Bruce Springsteen. These guys have that Gaslight sound with a little bit more of the you know, kind of the poppy punk mixed into it. But it's a good record. It's worth checking out. Uh, a couple of tracks here is uh, Lookers and Midwestern States. It's just amazing. I mean, check that song out. Good album. And then the other one is a guy that I'm sure, I mean, everybody knows his band. They may not be aware of him. But Chris Shiflett, he's the guitarist for the Foo Fighters. And this guy kind of comes from a country and punk background. And I, I'm not a big Foo Fighters fan, so I never really gave them much of a, I never really knew much about this guy. And I recently stumbled across his podcast that he does, which is, you know, probably the best thing going as far as podcast-wise because he interviews my favorite artist. Uh, again, he, it's mainly it's mainly punk and country guys that he, um, that he interviews, and he always talks about the parallels between the two, which I couldn't agree more. And so it made me want to start checking out his solo music. We put out a new one this year. I think it was a few months ago. It's called West Coast Town. Really, really good record. It's, uh, you know, you asked me, was it was it country? And I said, it's country in the way that the Flying Burrito Brothers are country. It's kind of that California country, a little bit of Americana. Bakersfield sound, it, I think sometimes it's referred yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and he's big into that Bakersfield sound. I mean, he even has talked about that in his podcast. So, you know, if you like that sound, if you like the Americana, you like that you know, California country, Check that out. I mean, it's you're not going to be listening to a Foo Fighters record. I can assure you, it's nothing like it. Um, really, really good. I, I've become a huge, huge fan of Chris Shiflett. You know, both his podcast and his music. Check out his podcast too. Good stuff. That's uh, that's it for me. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I've actually um, I meant to listen to that today. Um, didn't get a chance to. My uh, air conditioning had some issues with that and I live in Mississippi. So that was a priority getting that corrected. Um, so this week we're going to be talking about Brian Fallon, his career. Uh, most people will know him as the, uh, principal songwriter and, uh, the main guy in the gaslight anthem. Also he's, he's done, had a, uh, one side project and, uh, a solo album. Uh, I will say, um, you know, I have read about gaslight anthem for years. Uh, frequently written about in Rolling Stone. And I believe it was, uh, they were playing somewhere in Asbury Park, and I think uh, Bruce Springsteen came up and played with them or something to that effect. It's the first time they really came on the radar for me. And Chris here had been trying to get me to into them for years. And for whatever reason, I listened to the album 59 Sound, and it just didn't do anything for me. And then just kind of like a bolt of lightning, I, in probably mid-January, I was like, I'm just going to put this on and listen to it all the way through. And uh, quickly... Uh, quickly became a huge fan of uh, Gaslight Anthem and have come on, gone on to become a huge fan of um, Brian Fallon. So uh, that's how I got into him. Chris, what's a little bit of uh, your background with uh, how you got into him? 
You know, I was thinking about this earlier, and I honestly, I can't even remember. I, I think, and, and I don't know this, but I think I stumbled upon that. You know what? It, it would be, it, it almost would be foolish for me to tell you how. Maybe it was serious, you know, maybe it was, you know, maybe it was, uh, or serious, I, I say serious, it probably would have been, I probably would have been on XM days, maybe before they merged. I can't even remember. But anyway, it, Serious or or touring with another band, I, I don't e- I don't even remember. But it was Fifty Nine Sound, you know, which was their second record. We'll get into all that. But that's what got me into them, and I was blown away by them immediately. As soon as I heard the Fifty Nine Sound, I was hooked. And yeah, I've been telling you about them for years. And you know, actually, I, I had tickets to see uh, to see Brian Fallon opening up for Ron Bingham, and. My, uh, I'd recently broken up with my girlfriend, and I was trying to find somebody to go to the show. It was it was in Nashville. It was during the week, and so I was. I thought it'd be very easy to get somebody to go, but a couple of buddies would have definitely gone. We're out of town, and then this one buddy that I'm talking to right now wouldn't <laughs> go. He made an excuse, you know, like oh I got to work or something like that. When he clearly could get out of work for other shows, he just didn't want to go. He just wanted to be honest with me, and now I know he really really regrets it. But um. Hopefully you'll get to see him someday again, and hopefully you'll get to see him with, um, you know, with the Gaslight Anthem. And we'll get, again, we'll get into all that. But you know, one quick thing I did want to say too, though, you mentioned uh, with Springsteen. That was with uh, that was actually when they did the the uh, I can't think of what it's called, but it's a show in Hyde Park that they did with you know out right, in London. Right. That you know they were backstage and you can actually you can look this up but well i don't know where you can see it but they did something on on there's a series that comes on direct tv i don't know if they're still doing it called uh guitar center sessions and they did one on the gaslight anthem and he was telling that story that springsteen just came walking backstage you know to where they were he wanted to meet them and he said hey i'm a really big fan the 59 sound was when they were touring he said i'm i really like your, your records you know they had two of them out at that time and they were just blown away, and he told them, I, I want to play a song with you. And uh, they found a guitar for him, gave it to him, and he went out and played 59 Sound with them. And uh, later in the day, when Springsteen had the headlining act, he brought out Fallon to play uh, No Surrender. And if you, you know, I would, I would, I know you can find, you can find both of those performances on YouTube. Yeah. Check them out. It, it's, uh, again, it's, it's called, with the Springsteen, you can just do Springsteen Fallon or Springsteen London Calling, Brian Fallon, it'll come up. It's, it's a really, really cool performance. But anyway. Yeah, those, those, are, that Hyde Park uh, concert, it's really interesting to watch, uh, watch him come out there and play with them. Well, Chris, uh, so his first band was called This Charming Man, and they really didn't do a whole lot. Uh, they put out a six song EP that, um, um, didn't uh, I? Well, I mean, obviously, it didn't do a whole lot because they're not still called this charming man. Um, the album is uh, it's pre- it's pretty raw. Um, the production on it is not um, what you what you would get on later albums by him. But nonetheless, it's not a bad album. There, I have several good songs on there, particularly the opener "Bleeder," uh, I like. And uh, anyway, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this because this album I haven't listened to it uh, a lot to be completely honest with you. Yeah. And, and it's something that I know that you have, so I kind of may let you do the heavy lifting on, on this one for us. Yeah, I'm a fa- I mean, I'm a fan of this. It's a six-song EP, and, you know, Fallon had, he had, other, had other bands before, but this is the first one that you can actually buy something of his, and you've got to get it as a download. You can get it on, um, 
you can find it on iTunes or if you're streaming, stream it on Apple Music. I'm sure it's probably on Spotify. But it was um, four guys were in a band called This Charming Man. And they, um, towards the end of This Charming Man, they uh, two, two of the guys were replaced by Benny Horowitz and Alex Levine, who were with the Gaslight Anthem. So I guess they, I think, they're on, I think they actually play on that EP. And then, you know, after that, course one of the last member of this charming man he leaves in comes the last person for to, to fill out the gaslight anthem lineup that's i guess that's 2006 and that so yeah they did become the gaslight anthem soon after this but um and then there's they kind of they run together just because of the members but yeah the vp is really good it's it's certainly certainly raw i mean it it I don't even know if it's on a label. It, I, I wouldn't be surprised just because of the, the way that it sounds. I mean, it's very raw. It's on iTunes. Yeah, yeah, it is. I just don't know if it's on a label. Right. And But the, uh, yeah, like you said, Bleeder, the first track, that's really good. I really love the first three, you know, especially especially the first two. Bleeder, and there's a song called There's a Thunder. That's a great one. And the last one, Sweet Delta Blues. They're, they're really good, and they're not, it's not that far off from what you're going to hear on the Gaslight Anthem's first full, full-length album. Definitely a little bit better production value, um, better songwriting. They just sound, they don't sound as, they don't sound as much as like, as, as babies as they are on that one, you know, just kind of starting out their music careers. But I like it. If you're a fan of Gaslight Anthem, you're a fan of Fallon, it is absolutely worth owning. So like he said, that, that band uh, evolved into the Gaslight Anthem and they released their debut album, Sink or Swim. And uh, this album um, was the last one of theirs that I actually got. So that's kind of interesting. It's their first album. But it's the last one I listened to. And uh, it, the, it, it's it's similar to This Charming Man in that you know it's, it's rawer and the production is not as high as on other albums. But uh, I'll be honest with you, um, it's a good album. I mean, he, they, he, this guy doesn't put out bad stuff anyway. But um, some of the standouts to me are Boomboxes and Dictionaries, and uh, I would have called you Woody Joe, which, correct me if I'm wrong, that's about Joe Strummer, correct? I do not know that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm, don't take that for the gospel, people. That I may be wrong on that. Uh, but he may, he may have a song on there that's the most interesting song title I've ever heard. We're getting a divorce. You keep the diner. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and this album is more punk than uh, than some of his later stuff. And I kind of struggle with when some people refer, you know, to them as a punk band. Because in my head, the punk a punk band is the Sex Pistols, um, you know, stuff like that. And obviously, they're, they're not like that. And his music's a lot more positive than... Um, than the Sex Pistols, but um, th- this one is, it's a good album, 12 songs on it, um, it's not as easy to get, for instance, it's not on Spotify, which everything else is, but uh, I-, I bought this, I think, on Amazon, and I, th- I think I actually have the actual disc, but uh, like we said, like I said earlier, uh, a lot more punk than some of the later albums, but nonetheless, uh, very good in my opinion. Yeah, I like this, and I will say, and I've said this before, and I can't say this about many artists. I mean, I can't even say this about most of my favorite artists, my very favorite. There is not a song that Brian Fallon has done that I dislike. There's not one. So, you know, as we talk about these, you're not going to hear me say anything bad. And, um, you know, picking your, you know, 
trying to we'll even try to rank albums and then you know, it's, it's like somebody was i don't have kids that's so somebody like kids trying to rate your favorite kids you know it's it's tough um i just love i love his work this record though yeah it's definitely more punk and as i said on when we at the beginning of this podcast yeah they're punk but they're punk in the like i, I think as i always tell people that I have not heard them first of all where have you been that's the first question secondly they're they're the clash meets springsteen to me, that's the way I always tell them to people. And they, you know, even the Clash wasn't super, super punk sounding. But um, this one, yeah, you uh, you named that that boomboxes. Isn't that the one you said you like boomboxes dictionaries? Yeah, yeah, I like that one. My my favorite song it probably probably Waterson, nineteen thirty, Drive, and and I'm actually a big fan of We're Getting a Divorce. You keep the diner. I like that one a lot, but I like it all. And uh, you know, it's it's um, it's not one that I just think oh well, it's good for you know it. It's an early song. It's a little bit different, but it's still good. No, I'm I'm a I'm a really big fan of it. I, I like this album. And I, I listen to this album often. Yeah, it's 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 good, fun to listen to, uh, but leads us into um, what is probably their most well-known album. All right, sorry, folks, we had a little bit of a glitch there. Uh, like we were saying, 59 Sound uh, came out in 2008, and this is the album that really put them on the map. This is um, the one that most people think is their best album. Um, I was reading up on it, and Chris, uh, you're going to love this quote. So the website All Music described the album as a heartland version of social distortion. And yeah. I saw that, and I was like, my man Chris is going to like it. Um, I'll go first on this because you're going to be able to expound on it more than me. Well, uh, hey, let's let's not yeah. forget too though. Um, if you're going if you're going in order, that the EP Senior and the Queen came out first, but you're already on Fifty Nine Sound. We'll just go in reverse. Okay, we'll, I'm, we'll go back. We'll go back to Senior. My bad. I actually thought that came out afterwards, so that's my bad. Um, so Fifty Nine Sound is the one that uh, Chris had uh, actually burned me a copy of it and was like, "Man, you've got to listen to this. It's really really good." And like I said, I'd listened to it a time or two, and it just really didn't do anything for me. And then I finally put it in and just just loved it. And the thing that sets it apart for me is it's a unique sound. Um, and in some res- in some re- retrospects, Fifty Nine Sound is a, is a great name for it because some of the music just has a old timey feel to it. Not in that it um, that it sounds dated uh, as far as like recording and, and things of that nature but just the overall sound and playing on it. And it has just some really cool songs on it, like Great Expectations, 59 Sound, uh, Miles Davis and the Cool, um, you know, uh, Meet Me by the River's Edge, Here's Looking at You, Kid, The Back Seats, one of the best songs I think they've done. And his album really started them uh, on a trajectory uh, for more notoriety. And, you know, a lot of people have it listed as one of the better albums of the alts. Um, and I definitely uh, agree with that. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Chris, because uh, I know this is one that's one of your favorite albums of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the you did get a step up in the production value on this one. I mean, this is they, they moved up to, you know, better labels. They went with Side One Dummy, and I know most people aren't familiar with Side One, but they do a lot of they do a lot of punk releases. Yeah, I would put it kind of to a label that my, probably more people would know, Epitaph. 
you know, kind of something like that. Still a little bit more of an indie, but um, definitely a step up. And this one, I just think is is absolutely perfect. I, I love every single song on it, and you know, spent those first two great expectations in the '59 sound, just amazing. Yeah, Miles Davis and the Cool, Casanova Baby. Those are probably those maybe. Well, those two, along with "Here's Looking at You, Kid," those are those might be my my three favorites on the album. Uh, like you mentioned, the backseat, great one. I love everything about this, and you know, when I listen to the earlier stuff, you know, the the first two, you know, well, if I go back, if I go back to this charming man, then go to the first record, you heard a little bit of that. But this album is, I feel, where you really started getting what I always say about Brian Fallon. I don't know if there's anybody in music that emotes better. He may not be the most technically gifted singer, though I I absolutely love his voice. But you know, if somebody's going to be a really 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 analyze vocals he may not be the best he may not be for you but i think his, his voice is amazing but i don't i don't know that anybody emotes better than he does which what that what that does for me is it makes me feel the lyric so it's more than just it's more than just a good song a good well-crafted song it's just the way he sings it and if you want a good example of this you can go to youtube I just mentioned that uh, Casanova Baby's one of my favorites on this album. Go, you can look up, just do um, Brian Fallon, Casanova Baby acoustic, and it's something that NME did, which is if, if you're not familiar, it's like a UK Rolling Stone, but you know, they they spare you all the you know Rolling Stone is more political rag. This is um, this is more of a music publication, and they put this video out of him it looks like he's sitting i think he's sitting on a tour bus and he's playing acoustic that song casanova baby and that is the best example i can give you of emoting it is just amazing amazing song um and he basically kind of puts himself in the shoes of somebody and he says at the beginning of the video that song is just kind of putting himself in the shoes of somebody who was i guess a lady killer he got to kind of pretend he was that guy um but yeah great 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 record and i think this is this is probably where that that springsteen connection was really made where springsteen was such a fan you know and they're from jersey just like springsteen is and there's definitely similarities they get compared to to springsteen all the time especially this album and uh probably the next couple of them and i do i said springsteen in the class i mean you can definitely hear it but but man, it'd be unfair to say they're like completely like Springsteen because they're their own they're their own band and found his own guy. Yeah, he is, and you're talking about his ability to emote. I I couldn't agree with you more. And also, one of the things I think that's such a good quality of his, he has a way of writing about um, subject matter, basically where he's looking back on. It's like he's a person that's looking back on his life and uh, is remembering the good times, even though he's had some bad times, if you know what I mean, like in May, uh, which is on another album, but like, uh, uh, you know, the song 59 sound, uh, and, and, and great expectations. And I, I just feel like he has a, he has this uncanny ability to write about sad subject matter, but it, at the end of the song, you kind of feel good about it. You, you, you know what I mean? I do. And he, he's it, like a Springsteen 
he is a great storyteller. And and when you said it's they, would you say social distortion, you know, like a Heartland social distortion right. record? Right. That's I always say. You know, Springsteen's always said that that's, that's he's he's always been labeled Heartland music. Well, that's that's a fair thing to say. They're kind of like a Heartland punk band, and you know his. And I think a lot of that too, where he kind of gets to that sound and so much of that emotion that he has, he does. I remember I, I, it was probably on that DirecTV special I was telling you about. He talks about you know he writes the songs, all these songs. He pretty much writes them on an acoustic, and they're a little bit more stripped down, probably a little bit folky, a little bit Americana. And he'd bring them to the Gaslight Anthem, and they would arrange it and rock the songs out. But that's not the, that, that was not the form that he brought to the band, and that's probably there's probably that's probably part of the reason why they sound like that. The way he he does have such a heartland sound, such an there's such an emotional sense to him. And and I did see when I was watching one of the videos uh, earlier, it, it was somebody put on a comment, kind of to your point, kind of like what you're saying. They said if you've had a bad day, just put on Brian Fallon, or, or yeah, you know, put on a Brian Fallon record and just cry. You know, and that's not a bad thing. That's uh, it's it's some of his music's kind of like you, you hear before. It's happy, sad. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's always a uh, a good way to put it because you're you're going to be sad with a lot of his music at some point. But when it's over with, you're going to be, hey man, this guy that's writing the song or the 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 person that's the focal point of the song, this thing's going to be all right for him. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really good, Chris. Off the top of your head, uh, on Fifty Nine Sound, what are your favorite two songs? God, I, I have to, I have to go here. Looking at you, kid, and it's such a toss up between Miles Davis and the Cool and Casanova Baby. But I'm probably gonna go Casanova Baby. I would go Miles Davis and the Cool and the Back Seat. Hey, um, Back Seat is a really, really cool tune, and that's one that. Uh, I get why you picked it. Yeah, you know, and and he has he also uh, there's a common theme in a lot of his things. He likes to sing about cars, things he did d- does in cars, uh, his youth, and f- for whatever reason he likes to use the uh, the female name Matilda. Have you noticed that? I do know he's used that before. Um, I don't I don't can't think of all. I didn't know he's used it more than once. I can't even place that. And I, and I know he's used Mary, which I yeah. feel like is a is a nod to Springsteen. Well. Um, I think th- I was think I was counting. Down. I think there's about three songs where he uh, drops the name Matilda, uh, which is <laughs> which is interesting. But so you- it's funny. It probably is kind of like how Springsteen uses similar names. You know, I don't. Th- and, and by the way, I don't think think that he's not ripping him off. He's just a huge, huge fan. You know, there. I was talking about this um, this Direct TV special. I'm gonna go back to that again for a moment. I remember they when he was telling the story of when. They, uh, he was going to play play a song with the, with the E Street Band at this festival, and it was not planned. And they said no surrender. Well, the um, I think it's Nick Harcott that does those shows. He he said uh, he said, well, did you know it? Did you know the song? And Fallon just kind of he just had this big smirk on his face, kind of laughed. He went, man, I know all his songs. <laughs> and and he said, I know the B sides. And uh, that's just what a big what a big fan he is, and so I, I think it I think it's obvious, and he doesn't hide that, you know, he doesn't hide it, and just like he doesn't hide his love for Tom Petty either. I mean, he sings about Tom Petty in a song. 
Right, and even covered uh, Tom Petty's song as, as a bonus track on uh, one yeah. of his albums. And, and I, th- I think it can't be understated. Brian Fallon's one of the good guys in music. Yeah. Uh, just a positive guy. Um, I don't think he takes himself too seriously, but uh, I've never heard anybody or read anything negative about him but from in, in any place. Have you? No, I haven't. Yeah, just a uh, just a just a good guy. Well, Chris, uh, you brought up the EP. Uh, why don't you go over that uh, real quick with it for everybody? Since I accidentally messed that one up. Oh, it's fine. I mean, that, that's that's a hard one to know. You know when that came out. I mean, a lot, probably a lot of people that are you know moderate Gaslight Anthem fans they they probably don't even know about that one. So that's that's fair. But uh, yeah, it's called Senior and the Queen. I believe it came out in early '08. Fifty Nine Sound came out later in '08. It's just four songs. And the reason why it's, I mean, you need to mention it. We need to mention it regardless. But the reason why it's really worth mentioning is it has what is probably my favorite Gaslight Anthem song, which is Blue Jeans and White T-Shirts. Again, this is another example of the way the guy emotes. It is, that is one of those ones where you're talking, again, storytelling. It feels kind of sad. You know, I still, I can still hear that line, you know, you know, could have bought you. I would have bought you that house on Cookman. It's just, man, it's such a such a good song. I, I love that song so much. Again, only four songs. They're all good. This is another one that you can only get as a download. You can't get a physical product on this one. But if you're a Gaslight Anthem fan, check it out. It's definitely a a good segue between the um, a little bit more raw sink or swim and the first. You know bigger label album with 59 sound it's a it's a good transition point yeah and it's definitely worth it even just it's worth it for that one song he chris is right that's a that's a great song and it's 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 a very uh a very moving song well they go on from 59 sound uh obviously gained uh some notoriety and released an album called american slang has uh 10 songs on it and uh this one to me is a little more inconsistent um than 59 sound was or even uh, sink or swim but uh nonetheless uh like you said this guy doesn't write bad music uh no not it, at all. it's just you know it's it's like i tell people there's no such thing as bad pizza there's just better pizza uh yeah. and there's they're 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 better uh gaslight anthem songs in my opinion than some on here but um it starts off with american slang which uh, it, it it's actually bookend by t- two great songs in my opinion, American Slang and We Did It When We Were Young. That's one of my favorite songs that they do, and that's another one where it's a slow song that uh, he really emotes uh, very well. Uh, the Queen of Lower Chelsea and the Diamond Church Street Choir to me are a little more unique uh, than other songs uh, in his repertoire, but um, this was the one that came out after Fifty Nine Sound, and it you know it considered you know continued a streak of uh at the very least uh solid albums uh chris i don't think you and i've actually talked about this album so i'm kind of interested in your feelings on it yeah i mean I, I feel like this album they they strayed a little bit from what they do i mean obviously it was purposeful i don't think they stumbled you know and just couldn't write songs i think it was a a deliberate departure to do something a little bit different and i like the album i i would highly recommend getting it it's just like what you said all pizza's good. Some pizza's better. This is um, this is this is still pretty good pizza, guys. I mean, I, it's it's a good record. I uh, I agree with you said. With you said, not not as consistent, but 
does have some really good standout tracks on it. I, I think, I mean, my favorite one on it for sure is is Orphans. I love that tune. I think that one's a really good one. I think um, Diamond Church Street Choir, really, really good. And I agree with you. We did it when we were young. That's a really, really cool tune. But, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, certainly worth worth getting this album. Like I said, it's just little bit different it's um and it's a shorter album but you know and, and you know, there's some there's some gaslight anthem fans that absolutely love this record so it's um again worth owning but then again everything that i that he puts out i'm gonna say you need to buy it if you like him yeah i i concur so that album came out and they did what toured with it and um he actually they the next album is not a gaslight anthem album it's a side project called The Horrible Crows, and the name of the no, handwritten came out first. Oh, I had that Horrible Crows came out first. Okay, and I could I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure handwritten came out first. Okay, well, you want to just do handwritten and then do it's, yeah, and if, and if I'm wrong, my apologies. To, okay, to any uh, the Fallon Nation out there, but um, yeah, let me look. Let me just make sure. Okay. I did actually write down the dates. I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Yeah, yeah, it was um, yeah, or did you say the horrible? Yeah, the horrible crows. Which I had, one did you say? I had horrible crows came out right before handwritten. You're right. I'm sorry. That's why I wanted to check. Okay. You're right. All right. So we'll go with the horrible crows then. Um, the album's called Elsie. It's a side project with uh, Ian Perkins, and I believe Ian is a guitar tech for Fallon. Um, yeah, that's great. And where we talked about the other albums being ones that you could go away from and feel. You know, at the end of the song, feel happy. This album is noticeably uh, more dark. Uh, the tempo is slower, and the lyrics are much darker. Um, and when this came out, I, I guess there was some concern amongst um, Gaslight Anthem fans that this was the uh, was going to be, you know, the way he was going with his music, or this was actually like a viable uh, outlet for him. Meaning, the Horrible Crows. I have here that he was quick to point out to everybody this was a side project. Uh, and you know that it would remain a sound project but my initial impressions of it are uh, it's good uh, but uh, it, it is it doesn't sound like a Gaslight Anthem song with the exception of a few songs in my opinion and um, it's it's a sad it's a sad dark album and the album to, to some extent has more of a soul slash kind of old school R&B vibe to it and Chris you may disagree with this assessment but some of the songs I feel like almost sound like the Alabama Shakes um to you know to, to me at least a little bit but I don't lie. I just don't really listen to them I'm not a, I'm not a big fan so it's that's that's what, that'd be unfair for me to say yeah but what I meant was just you know it's kind of the slow kind of um um slow kind of slow tempo and then he like really over enunciates and screams to in like a almost like a soul type voice um okay i know what you're talking yeah, about from that standpoint. but uh, yeah. to me um standouts are last right sugar behold the hurricane uh and i believe jesus brought us together um like all of those songs but they actually uh toured with he toured with it and put out a live album uh, that has a uh, really good cover of the NXS classic, uh, Never Tear Us Apart, if you're interested in that. But, Chris, uh, much, much darker album than what we're used to from Brian, but uh, like we're going to say on all of them, nonetheless, still a very good album. 
Yeah, and this, by the way, I think this, uh, this, this guitar tech, Ian Perkins, I, I believe he is a touring musician with Brian Fallon and his solo band. Could be wrong on that, but I believe he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, when Fallon's not doing the gaslight uh, anthem, which we'll talk about that as we kind of wrap up, but when he's not doing the gaslight anthem, I don't think this, this guy is more of a, more of a band member than he is a tech. But yes, this is, this was definitely a different album, which, hey, that's the way side projects are supposed to be. There's nothing worse than somebody goes out and does a side project and sounds just like their band. So I respect that. He, he wanted to do something different. Um, so it, it is good. Like you, I love Behold the Hurricane. I uh, also, you know, I, I, I liked when you said, I believe Jesus brought us together. And then my very favorite one is Lady Killer. Uh, I think that one is just a really, really good tune. But again, not a bad song on this one. It's a little bit different. And I know you recently told me that he was um, basically kind of inspired to write this based off of uh, Greg Dooley and Tom Waits, Greg Dooley being the vocalist for the Afghan Wigs. And uh, uh, that was cool to hear. I, di- I didn't know that. That kind of was a, an inspir- inspiration for this. Those are absolutely two of my favorite songwriters. And um, it's like I once tweeted out, and Brian Fallon actually liked the comment. I, I tweeted out that that he, he made he, he always is commenting about Greg Dooley and I kind of replied to a comment that his love for Greg Dooley just makes me love him even more as if I need another another reason and so yeah to, and people that aren't familiar you know Greg Dooley is he's dark you know Tom Waits is you know he's got some really dark dark songs as well so I can I can definitely get that inspiration but um yeah I like this album you know, you, you, there's no way you cannot like this guy with the uh, social distortion Afghan wigs comparisons. There's, there's no way what? There's no way that you cannot like Brian Fallon with those two comparisons. Uh, no, no. no, knowing you, uh, I, no. I, I thought that was very interesting when I came across that quote. I actually, uh, for the people out there, I screenshot it and uh, sent it to Chris, uh, which is always uh, that's cool when, like you said, when people that you like, they're they're kind of their heroes or your heroes too so um yeah well that's i mean that's that's i find that happens a lot with my my favorite people and my favorite musicians and i don't know if there's any more so than brian fallon that it seems like everybody that they love musically i'm a fan of as well and i don't think that's coincidence you know i really don't and you know some of the people he always <laughs> always is talking about really craig dooley seems like just about more than anybody and um so yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't like I said. I don't think that's coincidence when you're when you like a lot of the same artists that your favorite artists do. Well, their next album was called Handwritten, and uh, I feel like when they wrote this album, it was written with the intent of maybe uh, gaining a bigger audience um, than what they had what they had in the past, and uh, you know, trying to um, just really take them to another level. Um, the album came out, and I love it. Um, I. We'll we'll see where it winds up in my rankings here in a little bit, but I love it. I don't think there's many down songs on this album. Um, matter of fact, I have if I'm going through my rankings here, uh, the worst song that I have rated is uh, track number six, "Too Much Blood," and I have it with three stars. So that's the lowest rating I have on that. But forty-five was the single, uh, and I think that was the one that they thought was going to take them. Uh, really to a larger audience. Um, Here Comes My Man is a great song. I think that was written with the the same intent, but it contains what is my favorite 
uh, Gaslight Song, uh, track number 10, May. And you were talking about emoting earlier, and I listened to this song, and man, you just, to me, it just, pain just comes through the, uh, comes comes through very clearly on this song, and uh, it's one I listen to a, a lot, uh, along with the entire album. Um, but uh, th- this was definitely one that was um, intended to uh, break them to a bigger audience. What are your thoughts on it, Chris? Well, I mean, there's no doubt, too. I mean, it was... It was was on mercury so major label came knocking brendan o'brien if you're a music fan you know who he is he produced it so yeah i mean it definitely was a little bit more commercial and you know i will say when this album came out it was i remember of course i bought it the the day it added the day it came out and blown away thought it was some of their best work and i still don't hear i still love this record and in a lot of ways, some of it still is their best. It is not going to be one of my favorite ones now, you know, when I look at it. Um, but some of the songs on it are great. You mentioned May, incredible song. I think May and National Anthem are the best two on here. And, you know, there's there's a lot of other stellar tracks. Those are my favorite, too. I, uh, I like the first two tracks, 45, Handwritten. Yeah, those are great ones, Mulholland Drive. And this one's actually, too, you talk about, too, they're, they're, they've had more, you know, started having more, you know, got a little bit more commercial, having more success. They also, I can't even think what song is on here, but there's one that I know was played, like crazy, a big, maybe a car commercial. I can't remember what song it is. Was it How, number seven? I was about to say How, myself. I think it's either, it's, if it's not, I think it is How. Okay. But... Yeah, I, I, I can't remember, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the one where it was, they, and I remember too, they were, it seemed like they were getting more notoriety on this album. More people were starting to know who they were with this one. But, yeah, it's a, it's a broken, I'm a broken record right here. It's a great record. Everything he does is, but, yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, if you put that on and listen to May, and you don't like May, then you're not going to like, uh, Gaslight Anthem, in my opinion. Um, hey, and before you, I know, since you're going to make the jump, I didn't know if you add when you're going to go to the next album. I don't know if you, if you put this one on and you're trying to go in order, but you know, you did do the uh, the B sides came out after. Oh this. yeah, if yeah. You included that. Yeah, it had that it had a cover of was it Tumbling Dice on it? I, I, yeah. I feel like I didn't do my homework on this one. I, I no, left that one off. That's okay. We, we it's not an album, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. There's just a couple of things worth mentioning. Um. First and foremost, the two songs on here, um, Atonia Jane and Once Upon a Time. Great, great, great songs. And it's a, it's a lot of, um, most all the other songs other than other than Tumbling Dice, uh, State of Love and Trust. What is, is, that, a, is that a Pearl Jam song? It's a Pearl Jam song. song, yeah. I think it yeah. was on the uh, single soundtrack, maybe. Yeah, yeah. so so most other than, other than those other than the ones I named, most of these are, you know, acoustic versions of songs that have been on other albums. Uh, she Loves You is also a great tune, the opening track. Yeah, it kind of sounds like something that could have gone on Horrible Crows. But um, it's cool. You know, I, I, I really, I really dig a lot of stuff on this. Again, especially Antonia Jane and Once Upon a Time. Those are so, so good. 
Yeah, and I really like that cover of Tumbling Dice that they do on it. Yeah, um, it, it is it's good. It's good, more stripped down. Well, the the last album that he would re- they would release uh, for now uh, is an album called Get Hurt, and this album deals with the breakup of his marriage of ten years. And it's stylistically, it's also a departure from previous albums um, with uh, some of the recording, uh, the ways they recorded it, and uh, just really some of the song structures. Um, the opening song, Stay Vicious, I think is probably like the, the most unique song in their catalog. Um, Fallon is singing through some distorted vocals in a uh, really... Almost kind of heavy. Almost, yeah, I was about to say, really kind of heavy, uh, distorted guitars. and, and Hard rock, not punk. Yeah. Yeah, and th- that song sticks out to me. I-, I actually really like it. But the tone of the album is that of, uh, you know, he's going through a divorce of, you know, his marriage of 10 years, and that's going to weigh on anybody. Um, track number 11 in particular, Break Your Heart, I think is one of the saddest songs I've ever listened to. And I remember I was, when we were getting ready to talk, to when we were discussing doing this episode, I was writing with my wife one day, and I put that on and let her listen to it, and she was like, I mean that she said it's a really good song, but that is that's just heartbreaking, and uh, you know that's what he does well. And you got to figure for these other albums before this, he was probably in a pretty good place in his life, and he could still write really emotional songs, even though it, you would assume he was in a good place in his life. And some of the songs on here uh, are, are just very very sad. But the, the album, I think, suffers. Um, a little bit from inconsistency. I don't think it's um, definitely not as consistent as Handwritten or Sink or Swim or uh, uh, 59 Sound, but uh, it does have four or five songs on it that I listen to a lot. There are other ones on there that aren't they aren't bad. They're just, um, they aren't the, the best work, in my opinion. So I, I thought that's interesting. It, it, you know, in my opinion, some of his lesser work, um, when he was in a bad place in his life, you know, normally that produces, you know, just really, really good results. But uh, I'll quit rambling on it and let you talk about it, Chris. Well, this is, I mean, we, we talk, when we talk about these albums, you know, you can tell when you're talking about, you know, obviously my love for 59 Sound, you know, um, your love for Handwritten. I mean, we can we can tell where, where we're going on these and all the other ones. We kind of feel like, you know, somewhat the same about how we feel about them. This is where we're going to differ a bit, and and you know when this album came out, I liked it. I um, it didn't have the same, it didn't grab me in the way that handwritten did. I told you, handwritten when I put it out, I was like, oh man, they, they just there's they're getting better with each album. They're, they may have put out one of the best records, and get hurt didn't do that for me. Here's what I will say about get about uh, get hurt. It has aged extremely well for me. Um. Maybe it's aged more than any better than any album they've put out. You know, outside, you know, Fifty Nine Sound was just consistently brilliant, always has been. But this album to me has really, really aged well. I've I uh, I listened to this one a whole lot. You know, he said "Stay Vicious" was a you know, it's, a, it's so different, but it's a great song. The song "Get Hurt," even that's a little bit different for them. I love that song, "Helter Skeleton." One of my favorites on here. You break your heart. You, I mean, you're right. Really, really good song. Halloween, the last one on here. Really good. Sweet morphine. Um, man, I just, I just like it. I, I, I uh, in some ways, it's just kind of, you know, it's Brian Fallon growing up. You know, maturing as a songwriter, and 
I think, like I said, I think this album has held up very, very well. And if it's the last Gaslight Anthem album we get, then I'm damn happy with with the album. Um, and I, I don't think it'll be the last one. I really don't. You know, because they have said when they, you know, they 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 did say they were taking an indefinite hiatus. They never used the words break up. And I will say this: the Killers said the same thing. They never said they were going to break up. They said they were taking an indefinite hiatus. And Brandon Flowers went out and worked on solo music. Well, they're about to have a new album coming out. So I definitely have hope for these guys putting a new one out. Uh, I think it'll come around because I don't think anybody's on bad terms. But, but you know, this one is, I, I really do. Like I said, it, it was it was pretty good when I heard it. And now I think it's a really, really, really good record. Well, Chris, you're obviously more plugged into their um, fan base than I am. Is is this a dis- uh, divisive album amongst their fans? Oddly enough, I don't think it is. Uh, I could be wrong. I've read stuff, but I think a lot most of his fans really like that album. Hmm. I, I, I really do. Um, and this was oh, – go ahead. No, I could just see like – I love the song "Get Hurt," but I could see people saying that's a, a you know a blatant excuse to go pop almost. Yeah, but you know most of that other album isn't really like that. You know, quite like that one, and you know a lot of the other songs are more. Yeah, I mean, "Break Your Heart." That's a yeah, it's sad. That's a total gaslight sounding song. You know, I think um, songs like "Helter Skeleton," "Straight Paper," and those just sound like gas. "Sweet Morphine." I mean, that, that definitely sounds like a typical gaslight anthem song. Um. So yeah, I mean, and I was lucky enough to just uh, to see them on this Get Hurt tour. Saw them and um, my cousin and I saw them in New York play Webster Hall, and this was late February. And you know, we had no clue that later on they were going to announce they were going on an indefinite hiatus, which makes the show even that much better. And when my cousin and I were trying to decide, yeah, you know, they were doing two shows. They were doing one at Webster Hall, and then they went somewhere else maybe rhode island the next the next night and then they came back a night later and they played a show again in new york but this time they played terminal five we chose we chose the the first one just because it it gave us a chance to see um another we went to go see another show that we wanted to see so it helped us do that and man when i think that was one of the best decisions we could have made because the next year we saw a different show at terminal five and it's a horrible horrible venue I mean, just tear, one of the most poorly constructed venues I've been to. But Webster Hall was a cool venue. And I was kind of reminiscent about this today. I was, I was thinking, I remember that set was so good. I just want to point out a couple of standouts to you that I think you'd appreciate. They opened with the 59 sound. And then they go into one of my favorite, you know, off of Sink or Swim, 1930. Uh, some of the other great ones that you would love that they did play in that set, they played handwritten. They played 45. They played Sweet Morphine. They played, um, let's see, Stay Vicious. So they did They did do that one. Wooderson, which is my favorite, one of my favorites. Um, and they closed, you'll like this, opening with 59 Sound, closing with back, the back street, or the back seat. Wow. And and then another thing, they did a really, they did a stripped down version with great expectations. It was very stripped down. And then another cool one they did uh red at night and i'm struggling which album that's on actually they did red at night and then they went into uh springsteen i'm on fire and then back into red at night wow so the only disappointment on this one because i thought it was a almost perfect set list the only disappointment if you look it up it still says 
like the, the next to last song it says blue jeans and white t-shirts clearly somebody got a copy of the uh, set list and posted it because they did not play that one and i remember seeing it the next day i was looking you know we're kind of in the hotel room just looking around and i was looking at the set set list and i saw that they had that that was going to be on the set and then they obviously they kind of did a last minute audible because it was i think you know, no pun intended handwritten on the <laughs> uh on the um set list but they did call an audible and didn't play that one if they had played that it would have been like the most perfect set they could have ever done and and in addition to being a much cooler venue than uh terminal five terminal five set didn't measure up to that so well, that's great, great experience. yeah that's cool you sent me i think you sent me a video of 59 sound when they opened with that and it looks like a lot maybe, of fun. Yeah, maybe I'll have to I may have to text it to you and you can post that up. Yeah. So, like we said, they went on an official hiatus uh, after that album, and we hope that uh, that is not the last Gaslight Anthem. But since they're on hiatus, Mr. Fallon has to have something to do. So yep. he released a solo album called Painkillers that is smoking. This album is awesome. And this is the album where I really think the Springsteen influence comes through. On songs like It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Among Other Foolish Things, and uh, Steve McQueen and Rosemary just for some reason remind me of, of some, you know, something that Springsteen would have done. And uh, for a solo album, I, you know, a lot of times when, when bands that I'm really big fans of, somebody goes off and does a solo album, a lot of times it's usually a bunch of junk in my opinion. Uh, Steven Tyler trying to do a country album. But... Um, this album does not suffer from that. Matter of fact, this album's better than a couple of uh, Gaslight Anthem Gaslight Anthem albums, and I find when I put this one on, uh, I don't I don't skip anything. It goes all the way through, which is a great compliment for an album. Um, and when I got this, I was really surprised as how, at how much I liked it. And the more I listen to it, the more I like it. So um, it's one of my favorites, uh, Chris. I know you're really high on it as well. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. So this phone cut out. Sorry. That's fine. Yeah, I I agree. This is um, but you know I think part of the reason why this did work so well for him is like we were talking about his uh his songwriting process is more always was a stripped down songwriting process that the band kind of you know they helped arrange it and make it that gaslight sound. I feel like they kind of skipped that step with these songs because a lot of them they probably could have made it a gaslight sounding song. That's just my opinion. This one, too, was probably, I, I'm sure that um, having Butch Walker, one of my heroes, produce it certainly did not help or did not hurt. I'm sure he, you know, not to take anything from Gaslight or from Brian Fallon because he's amazing, but I'm sure I would think that, that uh, Butch added some really good input and some help with arranging, and he definitely added some killer, killer background vocals on this album. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm like you. Every song, I'm I'm a fan of. I, I like it so much. I didn't know what to expect. I, I could not stop listening to it when I bought it. In, I, uh, go ahead. In my opinion, it's it's a lot more uplifting than um, uh, Get Hurt was. Yeah, well, I mean, you get with, with think about the titles. You have one called Get Hurt, and then the next album he puts out is called Wonderful Life. Right. Um, you know, but the the favorite ones for me. Steve McQueen, Nobody Wins, which killer, killer butch background vocals, by the way, in that one. Uh, Red Lights, which is just 
you know, not to get all, you know, mushy type, but that's a, that's a really sweet song. Um, the last tune, uh, open all night. Great, great song. I love, love, love this record. It's, um, you mentioned in Rosemary, another killer song, but again, did not know what to expect. I was happy to buy this album. Could not wait to hear it. Disappointed that there was not a Gaslight Anthem record, but just happy to get Brian Fallon music. And, um, you know, if the Gaslight doesn't happen, then at least we're going to, we know we can stay, say with confidence, we're going to continue to get great, great stuff from this man. And I hope he'll do both. You know, I, I honestly, I wouldn't want him to go back to the Gaslight Anthem and not do solo records because I think he's that good at it. I would love to see him do both of them. Yeah, he, yeah, definitely, not, he, he definitely set the bar high on his first um, solo album. We should also let everybody know, he, I think, uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, was in New Orleans recording a new album. So hopefully that'll be out sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope, I hope so. I'm sure it's not too far. Not too far from now it'll be out. But yeah, great, great catalog from this guy. Well, Chris, we've come to that time in our show where we rank um, this artist's album. So... You want to do the honors? I'll do it. And this is, like I said, this was this was really this was tougher. And I, and so I, I kind of took the approach. I don't always do this. I did it for the Black Crows, where you did, where you kind of rated the songs, because I, and I, you know you do that when you're like when you did that for Social Distortion. And I did it for Black Crows. When you're not super familiar with the the albums, um, it seems like the best way to do it in a limited time frame. This was a little bit different. It wasn't the best way to do it in a limited time frame. It was the best way to do it to try to pick because I didn't know how. You know, outside of picking the '59 sound number one, I didn't know how to break how to rank them. I had no clue. And this is going to kind of fit what I've said before. Same's going to apply here. This could change day to day. And I look at my list and I'm still stunned by it. I really am. I never thought it was going to go quite like this. So might as well just go ahead and go. I've got number seven, the Horrible Crows, Elsie. And again, I really, really like that record. But one of them's got to be number seven, and that's what I have as number seven. Number six, I've got Gaslight Anthem, American Sling. The first one where I surprised myself. Number five, Gaslight Anthem, Handwritten. Number four, Gaslight Anthem, Sink or Swim. Number three, Gaslight Anthem, Get Hurt. Number two, Brian Fallon, Painkillers. And number one, Gaslight Anthem, 59 Sound. Interesting. Interesting. Well, this is the first um, one that you and I have, one of these rankings where we have not agreed on the number one album. So I'm going to go with number seven, American Slang. Number six, Sink or Swim. Number five, The Horrible Crows, Elsie. Number four, Get Hurt. Number three, Painkillers, Svalon solo album. Number two, 59 Sound. And number one, Handwritten. So those are our rankings. Yeah, I mean, I expected them to be different because they always are, no matter what. I mean, I, what I've learned more than anything since we've been doing this podcast, we, we share a lot of similar interest in music. We rarely agree, um, which is cool. Yeah, you know? it's not just straight down the line, which you would you would expect. And um, I knew this would be different. 
kind of the feeling handwritten would be your your top um i kind of felt you know painkillers would be high i um i didn't know you'd have get hurt as high as you did and um you know not, not that that's high i mean it's directly in the middle but you know i was i was shocked that i had it at this number three and you know I, to show you how close they it, i mean it was it was just really really close for me with i would say with painkillers get hurt and sink or swim those were all so close and to say that you know by saying those are all that close that's saying obviously handwritten didn't really make it into that mix which that surprised me because again when that one first came out that was that one kind of blew me away and it's not that i've lost interest in it uh my interest is still there it's just like i said certain albums over time i just think they've aged they've really really aged well and that get that's the best way i can describe get hurt just really has aged and um like i said i like them all i um every single thing he's put out is worth owning yeah i couldn't agree more um an amazing songwriter amazing artist and uh a good guy um which are all three good things well chris uh this is usually fun uh as a, well not usually it's always fun whenever we uh get together and talk about an artist and go over their discography and rank their albums. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed this one. This wasn't hard work at all. Uh, unlike, uh, what was it? Our great, our best last albums episode. That was, that was hard work. Um, you have any parting thoughts for everyone? No, I mean, this is like you said, it was easy to do this one because it was, I mean, what was your, what was your homework that you do? You listen to the records, which okay. (laughs) Yeah, I can, I can, I can get behind that. Uh, no, I would just say this is one of those artists that uh, he's still, you know, he's, he's even though he has a bit of a name, he's still really under the radar. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of musicians are aware of him. And, but I think he's, I think he's one of the better songwriters that, that are out there. You know, and there's, I mean, there, there's a lot of these guys that, that we mention often that I that just don't get. Don't get the credit they deserve. Brian Fallon fits that. You know, a lot of those, a lot of these punk guys doing the singer songwriter. Brian Fallon, Chuck Reagan, which I hope to do something about on him in the future. Dave Hawes. You know, these these guys are just, yeah, you know, they're punk guys that are kind of singer songwriters doing the singer songwriter thing, and just amazing songwriters that, you know, I uh, they should get more success than they do. Not that they're not getting any, but um. I hope they I hope they're around making records for a long, long time to come. I agree. I agree. Well, everyone, that's going to bring uh, this podcast to an end. Thank you for listening, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed and on uh, iTunes, and rate us and leave us a review. We will back be back with you in the next week or so. Have a good one, everyone.